0: Hello, I'm Joan Goodchild with Information Security Media Group. Privileged access is a hot topic in security because misuses of privileged access is at the heart of so many security breaches. In fact, recent research from Forrester estimates that 80% of security breaches involve privileged credentials. So whether it's insider access or third party, locking down access has never been more important. Joining us today is Sam Elliott of Baumgard to discuss the issue. So, Sam, let's start right there. Are organizations putting a priority on access management now?
1: Hey, Joan. uh, That is a great question, and uh, thanks for having me uh, uh, as well. I always appreciate the opportunity to get to chat with you. Um, One of the unique things about my job is that we do get to talk to these teams almost every day. right? I'm not a salesperson, but as a director of product management at a software company that sells software, I often get brought into the conversation. And uh, I certainly see that more and more organizations are realizing that perimeter security is just not enough. I mean, they see stats out there, uh, like uh, one we recently saw from from Forrester, where they're estimating that 80% of security breaches involve privileged credentials. Uh, we see that to be the case with some recent breach of uh, uber data or going back to opm all of those had the root cause in a credential being stolen now the challenge that we see is that the traditional responses to managing the, that privileged access and the identity access and it, it often leaves organizations exposed because their focus is too narrow right they they hear that 80 percent of breaches involve privileged credentials so that means our security solution Must be to do something with credentials, right? We got to protect them. We got to obscure them. We got to rotate them. We got to change them. Low privileged people shouldn't know the privileged accounts. All of these strategies. But the the challenge is when they're using that narrow focus, they tend to leave doors open in other places, and that's why we think, uh, in addition to taking the traditional approach of privilege access and identity management of just managing the credentials, you also have to have an eye on the access. In the first place, so how are my users accessing these systems that they are ultimately going to put a credential into to gain access? So what is, what are, how is my security team accessing servers? Do they just use RDP? How does my network team use access their their firewalls to update configurations? Is it Putty? How am I controlling those those accesses? How? am I ensuring that a threat actor cannot use that same level of access to then attack these targets and gain a foothold in the organ? I definitely see that organizations are putting more importance and, and a sense of urgency on what's going on inside the perimeter. What I'm hoping to do and what we're trying to do at Bangor is to encourage our peers to think more broadly than just the credential itself.
0: You've said that there are four pitfalls that you see organizations experiencing when it comes to access. Number one is protecting only passwords. Explain that in depth for us.
1: That's kind of what I was alluding to in uh, my earlier answer there is you can't just protect that password, right? Those organizations that are trying to secure privilege access but focus solely on the password, that's only going to be part of the battle that they're fighting. They've got to secure those access pathways, because if they don't, those access pathways may end up in the hands of an attacker. And we've seen time and time again that it doesn't take just knowing the credential to pop a machine, right? We've all heard the terms remote code injection or buffer overflow. Those can all be achieved to gain root on a system without actually knowing that credential, right? They can exploit an old version of Uh, something running on a web server they can identify a Linux box that's running an application that is vulnerable to a buffer overflow and then they can use those uh, vulnerabilities to exploit and gain shell on a system so we're not saying that you shouldn't concentrate on password you shouldn't secure the password but we think it's important that to realize that there's more to protecting than just the password so you need to implement a more secure remote access strategy in addition to just uh, your password strategy and having good hygiene around those passwords.
0: And now pitfall number two is partners with privileges. So with so many organizations increasing their number of third-party vendors they work with, I can certainly see why this would be a concern. What are you observing?
1: Yeah, I'm 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 observing something that borders on pure terror. I took a call uh, a while ago from a prospect that had found us just through uh, internet searches. The, uh, the gentleman had had a nightmare the night before, and his nightmare was that his vendors were, were, were the cause of a cyber breach that he was now having to answer for. So he told me that he had woken up at about 4 a.m. and couldn't get back to sleep because of this nightmare, and he had spent all morning searching the internet for solutions, and that's where he came upon uh, bombguard When I actually got the opportunity to talk to him, it was eye-opening because he said, Sam, I got to tell you, I am terrified of my vendors. I have no idea what they're doing. I have, you know, my current process is I give them VPN access. I give them an administrative credential. I tell them, here are the servers, maybe a handful of servers, including a SQL server that you're supposed to be working on. But I have no idea if they're coming in at 2 o'clock in the morning and poking around across my organization because I know I don't have good network segmentation. And it's just a terrifying prospect of what these folks can do. So I'm essentially depending on that business partner, that vendor's, uh, you know, good security practice, ensuring that they're hiring good people, ensuring that it's not a malicious entity kind of acting as a, uh, a, good, a good person, or that threat actor, or maybe, in a, you know, like we saw all those years ago at Target, at Favenzio Contractors. Uh, wasn't trying to exploit a weak security pass of the vendor and a dedicated VPN connection to then ride into that network of their ultimate target, which, you know, pardon the pun, happened to be Target. And you know we see that happening all the time, and we see people terrorized by it. But the good news is, uh, the reason that we talk about partners with privileges is that there are solutions that enable you to solve this challenge which is these third parties coming in because they're not going anywhere we need them to run their businesses but uh, the solutions exist and we're hoping that people realize that and that they'll look for new uh new ways instead of kind of just resting on the rules with the traditional mechanisms that are vpn and rdp is kind of what we tend to see in 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 the industry today
0: the next Pitfall so to speak is privileged sprawl. First of all, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah um, Privileged sprawl is the idea of having Credentials that are privileged that you don't really think about right so we've heard stories about for example I heard a story from a gentleman that used to work at a major u.s. Bank and This gentleman was a, a trusted person in the organization But he knew kind of he'd been there a long time knew all the systems but hadn't, wasn't part of a particular area that needed to to solve a problem. However, he had the skill set to solve this problem. So the team that needed his help created him a credential that was privileged, that could do anything that he needed to do in this organization in order to get that job done. So he got the job done and saved the day of that team, you know, the the hair on fire response to an issue. Well, he decided a year later just to go check to see if that credential worked. You know what, Joan? It worked, and uh, he was pretty outraged by it, right? Because he was he was pointing at the, the bad hygiene of his own organization. But it makes a lot of sense, right? Those kind of activities happen all the time, and those those credentials pop up in places. That we, uh, that we least expect
0: it. So what are some examples of blind spots, so to speak, where an organization might be overlooking parts of privilege sprawl?
1: So in addition to just creating credentials that uh, you, don't, you forget about that may have privileges, it's also entire groups can be blind spots to organizations. So one that we think about a lot is the help desk, right? People don't think about the help desk as a potential attack vector uh, for for uh, a threat actor. But the help desk is a great target. Uh, they typically are an organization that their goal is to get the job done on the first call as much as possible. So they're willing to maybe overlook good security practices, or maybe because they're at the lower, the lower end of IT, they don't always get the benefit of having all the security training that they should have. But then you combine that with the fact that many help desks t- will employ a credential that has privileges uh, for the help desk to be able to do their job, right? So they need to install a printer, they need to install a copy of Office, any number of things in the daily work of an IT support person would, would require privileged credentials. So what's often common is that that privileged credential, maybe it's a local credential, and maybe it's the same across all systems in the environment. So now you have this group that is the help desk, that tends to fall off securities radar, that has a privileged credential that they know to every single asset in the environment. They could use that to uh, go look at the CISO's desktop and have a look at what's going on and, you know, kind of maybe executive level information only, right? They have the, let's say that they get into some malware and they're running as that uh, privileged user. Now that malware that they've uh, accidentally executed has all the permissions it needs to run, right? So there's all kinds of things that can happen just from the help desk, having a privileged credential, which is part of this idea of privilege sprawl. And time and time again, I run into organizations who completely forget about this. And when they do, when, the, when we do present them with, hey, guys, we want to help you. We want to partner with, give you a good privilege access management strategy. What are you doing about the help desk? We're often met with, met with kind of a blank looks and, oh, gee, you know, we never even considered the help desk in this strategy. Maybe we should get them to the table as well.
0: Lastly, pitfall number four is prioritizing only people. So why is that an issue when it comes to access?
1: A lot of this just comes down to we're busy in IT. We've got a lot of technical debt. We're constantly fighting fires. So it's hard enough to think about the people involved and the groups like the help desk or, or other folks who may have privileged accounts it becomes really difficult to take about to, to think about the the automated aspects of your uh, organization. We, when I think about prioritizing only people and why that's a problem, I think about what about that SQL DBA 5 years ago who wrote a script to back up a database of the SQL server and move it from one machine to the other. And that script is a simple windows batch file and in order to number 1 make a copy of the backup that SQL database and then number two map a drive to move that data to another server uh, that that script is going to need some credentials to do it and often that DBA is a person that had a set of privileged credentials and they won't think twice about putting that credential username and password in clear text in their script right they've done it on their machine a machine that they only have access to and it shouldn't be an issue well what happens if, if, if a threat actor has established a foothold in that environment maybe they don't have a domain admin level credential yet, but they've got enough credentials to browse around on an endpoint or a series of endpoint, maybe going back to my example with the help desk, they've been able to establish that local admin credential which has, has access to all the systems in, in the environment. And now that threat actor has been able to browse that DBA's file system, simply open a batch file, uh, look at it as if it's a text file, and in clear text, See the username and the password. So that's an example where they haven't had to in- employ uh, much in the way of tradecraft. They simply browse the file system and been able to gain what is likely a pretty a significant level of privileges through that type of script. One last pitfall that we think about when we prioritize only people is that of uh, service accounts. And when we think about service accounts, we think about these typically a domain account that's running a service and that service is powering an application that needs to stay up and running on a server all the time, maybe that server, is that application, is part of a cluster of applications. Uh, Maybe that application is a major business application that's maybe an organization's e-commerce service or its reservation service. And those service accounts are crucial to keeping that business service up and running, right? If the service account, let's say if that service goes down uh, the application can't properly execute, maybe now you can't take credit cards in, in an organization. So because of that scenario, what we see often is that service accounts uh, just aren't changed because IT is deathly afraid of changing that account because they don't want to be the ones that cause the organization to stop being able to take credit cards for a period of time. And uh, we've actually seen that in real life. I ran as part of the conversation with a uh, potential customer of Bongar we ran our credential discovery tool on a pretty sensitive system, and we found service accounts that were nine and a half years old. That's an astounding number, it's really old, but a threat actor would love that, right? Because there's an account likely that has lots of privileges in an organization that hasn't been changed in nine and a half years that if a threat actor were to compromise, they know that they'd be able to use that. It's pretty good success across the organization and not get caught. And so we wanna encourage folks that are embarking on a a privilege access management strategy, in addition to protecting just their passwords, in in addition to uh, thinking about what are they going to do about those partners, those third-party vendors and and their access, and then also this challenge of privilege sprawl, we want to make sure that they're thinking about not just prioritizing people. What are we doing about scripts that may have clear text credentials? What are we doing about applications that need to use credentials to talk to another application? what are we doing about service counts and making sure they're rotated so they can't become a point of compromise in an attack uh, those are kind of uh, our our big bucket approach of, of how we advise our clients Joan to um, to approach a privilege access management uh, and ultimately get themselves a secure access strategy across the board so it doesn't just focus on on those privilege credentials that also gets them a broader view into the organization and ultimately gets them more protections against cyber breach.
0: Now, that's a lot of information in there, Sam. So, for those listening and identifying with some of these concerns you just laid out, what's the takeaway for today? Where do you go next?
1: Uh, well, certainly, I'd encourage folks to come to our website, bomgar.com. That's b-o-m-g-a-r.com. We have lots of resources in terms of white papers and webinars where you can hear more about this. If you ever have an opportunity to go to any of the security trade shows, I would definitely encourage people to come to our booth and talk to us. We'll be at RSA, we'll be at Black Hat, and we'll be at a bunch of events in between. Um, So if you ever see the orange bomb guard, please do come and talk to us. We uh, are really passionate about this, Joan. Uh, We think we have a really good technology solution to not only offer security, but to ensure that we're improving an organization's productivity. And we're doing it with a set of uh, tools that ultimately make up a solution that can be deployed across the entire organization that aren't just going to help the security team, they're going to help the IT operations team be better at their job, they're going to help the help desk be better at their job, and at the same time, they're going to reduce the risk of cyber breach we haven't had to impact the way business is done in in a major way. So uh, again, we love to hear from our clients and uh, or potential clients or people that are just interested in maybe looking at competitors. We're happy to have uh, have all kinds have a conversation with us.
0: Great, Sam Elliott of Baumgar. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Problem, Joan. Thanks so much for having me, and I look forward to the next time we get to speak.
0: And thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us today. We hope to see you at one of our events in the near future. For now, I'm Joan Goodchild with ISMG. Have a great day.